Good morning. Thank you very much. It is an honor to be here. If you just bear with me a second to get this up to my height. <laughs> you know, one of the pros and cons of being tall is that sometimes things don't fit, but I'm glad to have this working on my behalf. Amen. Uh, as he mentioned, uh, my name is Ashanti Petaway. Uh, I do consider it a joy to be before you because I recognize that being able to preach God's word is an opportunity and a gift. It's not something that's guaranteed. And for the shepherd of this house to say, hey, I'm welcoming you to come in and preach to my flock is a, a true pleasure. And I thank you for that, uh, Pastor Damiani. Now, you would think me and Aaron had spent hours, countless hours going through the scriptures and hanging out with each other. But believe it or not, I think we've been able to hang out maybe two times over the last five years. But there's always been this kindred spirit of just mutual respect and, and love for each other. And so, again, it's a pleasure to be here. I've known about you for some time. Uh, my wife is here, Amanda, and so it's a pleasure for her to be here. My two boys, uh, Joseph and Samuel, thank you all for greeting us. You're just so friendly and with so much love. Uh, yes, we're looking at God at work, the book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And uh, I will title this text, this idea, More Than You Ask For, The Power of a Name. Uh, you guys don't know this, but I have over... 15 plus years of radio in my, my background. Uh, some of that in Atlanta, Georgia, Hot 107.9, and that's in the city of Chicago with Moody Bible Institute. And uh, in Atlanta with Hot 107.9, there was always this big event we would have every year uh, where there were celebrity artists who would come in and perform a concert. And although I was a part of the station, uh, I did what was called the show called Crunk for Christ. It was a hip-hop gospel show that we did on Sunday mornings. And so although we had a good fan base, we're doing well, I was not considered the celebrity of our station. Again, this is the number one hip-hop and R&B station. So you had the people who are on Monday through Friday who get all the praise and the honor. And so when I would walk into these venues for events that we were hosting, oftentimes we would have security and people who were not regular participants at our workplace serving to make sure the place was secure. And what would happen is, is that sometimes I would come up and I didn't have my paraphernalia on. And so I'd just be rushing to get in and they'd be like, hold on, who are you? And I'm like, well, I'm Ashanti. And it's like, well, that doesn't mean anything to us at all. Uh, we don't know you. I don't, I'm not familiar with your face. Uh, but when I was able to then show them my badge, that not only had my name, which was of some importance, but had the stamp of the logo, Hot 107.9 FM. It declared that I was a part of the family, and then therefore I could get access and entrance into this event. And as we think about today, Again, every example you give often does not give the fullness of what it actually means when you attribute it to God. But today we're going to look at the significance of the power of the name of Jesus. So please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness, your love, and your compassion towards us. We ask, Lord God, that you would be with us during this time and that everything that comes forth out of my mouth, Lord God, will be glorifying to you and you alone. Rid us all of any thoughts that are distracting us from you and your kingdom and help us to be broken vessels before you to receive your word, not just hear it, but be transformed. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I always like to give a little backdrop uh, just so we know when we're jumping into a middle of a text of what's been going on. So the book of Acts, written by the great physician Luke, uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit to write down this text. He's a very detailed man, as physicians are. 
And, and the text opens with telling of the encounter of how the disciples are fellowshipping with Jesus and having a good time. They're like, he's back. He's with us. And they're ecstatic. Uh, but comes in and he's saying, it's time for me to go to the Father. Uh, and then he's saying, I'm going to send my comforter, as I promised you in the Gospel of John. I'm sending the comforter to you. And that is exactly what happens. The Holy Spirit descends upon them. Uh, the power of God moves mightily. Lives are transformed. You begin to see wonders and works. And the Gospel proclaimed. Thousands come to faith. And it says at the end of chapter 2, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer, and then closes with this. It says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their numbers day to day those who were being saved. And then we transition into this next scene where two of the apostles Peter and John are walking to the temple. And what we're going to see, we're going to see three things within this text, just these three verses. You're going to see a request that is made. You're going to then see a response that is given. And then lastly, the text is going to close out with showing the results of what actually takes place. So it opens up saying, now Peter and John were going out to the temple at the hour of prayer in the ninth hour. And just to give an idea of what's going on here is that it's obvious to see that the actual aspect of prayer is a priority in the life of a believer. So in case you wanted to bypass that, I think that's where we stop first is they're showing us by practice that prayer is effective and an intricate part of what it means to follow Jesus. And what's interesting is this, this, this is part of their custom. You know, these are Jewish men who are coming from a place where it's customary to be there for prayer. And so uh, it's interesting to see just some of the, what we say, some of the cultural nuances of that is that sometimes, even after you've had an encounter with Christ, it doesn't mean that you have to forsake every aspect of your culture. You can still appreciate aspects and nuance of your cultures that don't contradict the gospel. And so these men go to the temple, not during the time of sacrifice, because they already know the one living sacrifice has been given, the sacrifice of all, but they can still go for fellowship. In prayer. And it's at this time they find a lame man sitting at the gate. This lame man came to the gate daily. And it says they brought him to the gate. So he had some type of connection with people who somewhat cared about him enough to at least bring him to the gate. The people who brought him, it would seem they obviously did not have enough to care for him holistically and heal him. They didn't have the money to necessarily provide for him all the, uh, so he wouldn't have to beg anymore, but they had enough to bring him to the gate. And it's interesting that they decided to bring him to the temple. What does that say about the expectations at the temple? It says that somehow this man, even in his brokenness, understood and believed that somehow if I can come to the place where the people of God are, I might actually be able to receive some help. And that is what happens here. He comes here daily asking for help, asking for alms. And for the people at that time, even in their tradition, they would have found it as a godly work of saying, this is a way of showing my love to God by giving alms to the poor, giving alms to those who are in need. But in this moment, we see something very interesting. It's this, this beautiful irony that you often see in Scripture where it's this lame man being carried to the gate, a gate called beautiful. This beautiful gate 
where he's being laid right before the temple. Jewish historian Josephus describes this gate on the Temple Mount made of Corinthian brass, 75 feet high with huge double doors. So beautiful that it greatly exceeded those covered in silver and gold. So it's this beautiful earthly manifestation of architect that he lays there before that heads to the temple. This broken, he's asking for all, so I think it's safe to assume he's probably not the best dressed. He's lame, so he's unable to move, and it's this irony of the temple of God with this beauty here and then this broken man laying outside the gate. He's not inside. No one has offered to take this man and say, hey, come in with me. No one has said, not only am I going to give you alms, but come into the temple with me. And there's significance there. You say, why, Pastor Shanti? Because think about it. The people who were still regularly going to the temple were those who were Jews, not necessarily followers of Jesus Christ. So they had religion. They didn't have faith in Christ. Their religion gave them enough to give alms, but their religion did not give them enough to pick him up and take him out of his situation and bring him into the temple of God. Regardless of whether or not he would have been healed in the temple of God, just good stewardship would say, hey, come with me as we give you alms, but then give you some love in the house. And this is what we see here. A man laying, asking for help at the temple gates. He's asking them, believing that they will open up their hearts to say, here, we'll give you a little something to help you go about your day. He's trusting in the compassion of their hearts. But unbeknownst to him, he's going to have a different encounter because now he greets Peter and John as they're going into the temple. And he asks them for alms. And Peter and John do something that's amazing. And it's, it's a mirror of what Christ did in the Gospels. It says this. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. Before they spoke, they directed their gaze at him. I'm going to tell you something. There is beauty in a gaze. It's an acknowledgement of your existence. It's an acknowledgement of your value. It's an acknowledgement of your worth. And what these disciples did is say, hey, listen, we hear you. Now we're looking at you to let you know we recognize that you are worthy to be valued. This idea that the lame man by earthly standards wasn't valued by those he saw. He was a tipping jar that you give your alms to and then go on about your business. But first, they put their eyes on him. And think about the gospel encounters with Jesus and the woman at the well. Jesus and all the various people, even Jesus' encounters with the disciple, is this idea that you felt when you encountered Jesus, there was this focus and intentionality and gaze upon you. And that is what the disciples do right here. They recognize the imago Dei within this man, which means simply that he is made in the image of God. If you've never heard that term, it's a theological term, and that's what it means. It means everyone, whether you are in Christ or out of Christ, are by God's creation made in his image and therefore worthy of value. And then he asks, he asks for alms. What's interesting is that Peter doesn't have alms to give him, and he knows this. And he, he says... I don't have silver or gold, 
But what I do have, I give to you. Before I go to the next part, let's think about the beauty of that. He says, listen, I know what you asked for. And although it's a valid request, it's not a request I can meet right now. But I recognize that despite what you need for in the very natural element, I do have something else. I do have something else to offer. And what Christ is speaking to us in this moment, in this part of the text, is that those of us who can proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord, the Savior of our heart, the leader of our soul, the anchor and security for our salvation. Whenever we come in contact with anyone in our lives, no matter what the situation or the circumstances, you may not have what they need in the natural. But if you have Christ, what you do have, give to them. What you do possess, which is the love of Jesus Christ, the one who can transform a life and save souls, Offer what you do have and don't offer it with a sense of, uh, well, I only have this. Offer it with confidence because the text seems to speak. Peter, Peter didn't have any doubt. He wasn't like, man, I wish I had some money to give you, man. But all I've really got is this Jesus thing. That's not the heart. He actually speaks as if with this level of confidence of like, well, what you, what you want, I don't have. But I've actually got something uh, that is far greater than you could ever expect. And then he says these words to him. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Come on now. I know you may not be, I know you may not be a super expressive church, but think, think of, there's a level of boldness there. Come on. Now listen, I've been walking with Jesus since I was 19. I'm 42 now. But I've never walked up and said, okay, no, I can't do that, but get up and walk. I mean, this, this is pretty powerful. But as powerful as it was, what I noticed about Peter's disposition, it seems as if this is not something that's abnormal for him. If you look back into the gospel, he says how he sent them out in twos, saying, giving them the power to do these miraculous works. When he sent out the 72, he gave them the power. And what's interesting is, is that he, he prefaces it with a very specific phrase. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, a name makes all the difference. We see this in the Old Testament with the prophet Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 18. There's a battle between the prophet Elijah and the king Ahab's prophets of Baal. Now, it's one of God's prophets versus 450 prophets of Baal. And I want you to think here, just, just venture with me. It says these are the terms and conditions. They're going to lay two bulls that are going to be given out. Each one will have one. And they're going to call upon their God to set this bull on fire. So all these magicians, all these prophets are calling on the name of Baal, calling, 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 and no response. Such a response, that, or should I say such a lack of response, that they continue to cry out. And out of frustration, started to mutilate themselves, started to cut on themselves, rip off their clothes because their God was not showing up. But I want us to hear what the prophet Elijah said. He said, oh, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. 
Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up all the water that was in the trench. Elijah didn't operate in his own flesh saying, hey, I'm going to battle you guys and I got a cool little trick I'm going to do for you. I'm feeling very confident. God didn't tell me to do this, but I rock with God, so I'm going to go for it. No, he specifically moved at the leading of God. And what did they do? The prophets of Baal called on Baal. The prophet of God called on God. There is significance in the name. And what we see here is Peter saying, listen, I'm calling on the name of the one who can actually do this. It's not power in and of myself. And we know this because he makes it clear when he speaks later in Acts chapter 3, verses 12 and 16, when he addresses the people and he closes in chapter 16, it says, and his name by faith in his name has made this man strong who you see now and in faith to Jesus Christ. It is through the name of Jesus that everything is made different. And in a time that we live where everything is acceptable, where everyone is questioning what name to call on, when everyone is saying, you know what, I can look further enough. If I go deep enough in myself, I will be able to rescue myself out of my circumstances. So I'll call on my name. Some people will grab various uh, worshiping idols to put before them and just test it out. There's some people I even know of who have built altars who just have a variety of uh, different idols there. And they're like, I just got to pick and choose. Hopefully one of them will work. And what Peter and the gospel is always trying to teach us is this. It is only in the name of Jesus that things are transformed. It is through Christ that things change. And after we see the request, we see the responses they gaze upon him and telling him, that they are telling him to rise and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. We now see in verses 7 through 10 these beautiful results. And this is what the text says. It says, and he took him by the right hand and lifted it up. He lifted him up, grabbed his hand, and it says immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. So it wasn't something that Peter did just on a whim, as I mentioned. It was something that was led by the Holy Spirit to promote who Christ was and to affirm what Christ had said and manifested amongst those who looked and who saw. The supernatural ability that Peter showed to trust him is something completely out of the ordinary. He said, listen, I'm rocking with Jesus. I've seen him do so many things, and it's through the power of his Holy Spirit and his leading I'm going to now proclaim this word over this man. This miraculous work of God tells us that they're not parlor tricks. These aren't things you do on your own to gain notoriety. I might step on some people's shoes here, but I would argue this is one of those things where it's not that you then hold events where you say, hey, come see me because I'm the one who heals. This idea that you move as the Holy Spirit leads and then you move and see his hand at work. There's this beauty of trusting God and saying, Lord, I'm trusting you in the moment. You tell me what to do. Peter in this moment even tells him, I'm pointing you to Christ. He's going to give this, I, you know, I know I'm supposed to stay in this text. If you go further into the chapter, Peter's going to give this amazing sermon, basically saying, listen, this is all about Jesus. This is all about Jesus of Nazareth, the one you said, what good comes out of Nazareth? This great God who said exactly who he said he was and actually proved it. This is what you're in awe of. 
And this is what we see here. But I want to, for my well-educated people here who think through various details, I want to get a little uh, medical with you. Just so us to understand exactly what happened when it says that immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. The feet and ankle are joined together by subtler joints, which allows your foot to move from side to side. Your ankle bone is joined to your leg bones, the tibia and fibula. At your ankle joint, it acts like this hinge that allows you to do what you need to do. This allows your foot to bend up and down. In the middle of your foot, it has made up of uh, the torso bones. And the combination you have here is four bones within your ankle, 38 bones within your feet. This is all that's working here. Now, we find out later in Acts 4 that for this man whom this sign was healing was performed was more than 40 years old. So you're looking at a man over 40 years old whose ankles, feet, and legs have never worked, never functioned. If you've seen anybody who's uh, had ailing limbs for a longer period of time, they're weak. They look very feeble and very delicate as if they can easily be broken. You can actually see the difference between the upper part and the lower part because it looks malnourished. And what happens here is that they speak to the man by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he gets up immediately and starts walking. He didn't have to go to rehab. He didn't have to go through steps of the process. Immediately, God did a work and had this man walking. And in great prophetic fashion, this lame man serves as a living witness of what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 35, 6. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness, in the streams, and in the desert. What God is doing right now is proving who he is. This whole book of the Bible is helping us understand the triune God. And he's saying, listen, Jesus is who he said he was. The fulfillment of prophecy. And this man is showing right now the beauty of the power of the name of Jesus. But he doesn't stop there. What happens? Immediately his feet, ankles are made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Do you see what happened here? This man didn't keep it to himself, but his this lame man's location changed. This, 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 this man had been laying outside the church doors asking for help, begging. What happens is, is he gets more than what he could have ever imagined. He wanted all so he could eat. He had no idea that, that he could possibly walk because he's never done it before. And he's healed immediately. And not only does this man's physical body change, but his location change because it says he enters the temple walking and leaping and praising God. The healing moves this man from outside the temple to inside. So that now, instead of being someone who is outside of the worship house, he comes to be a part of the family worshiping in the house of God. God has not only relocated his body and healed it, but he's relocated his heart. There's been a heart transformation that has taken place here. And recognize that it's not him who's just blessed. He's with Peter and John. He's fellowship with these men who have blessed him through the hands of Christ. And then he begins to worship with everyone else. And what does it say? It says, and they, all the people, saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him as the one who sat outside the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. And what had happened to him? 
the work that Christ did through the apostles in this man's life led to other people beginning to wonder, who is this man named Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Our lives are to be lived just like that. The miraculous work of God in our hearts, if we have been transformed by the gospel, should cause us to leap for joy even 20 years into it because we recognize the miraculous work of our salvation. See, we think that we have to just see, oh, a lame man healed. That's miraculous. No, what I'm telling you is for someone to die for your sins 2,000 years before you committed them on behalf of the entire world, in fact, the very human beings he created, he allows to hang, crucify, and kill. For him to say, you know what? I'm going to do this. Because you don't even realize what you need. But I do. I know you need an eternal security. I know you need a salvation and a reconciliation with your creator. So I'm going to let you crucify my son. And as a son, I'm going to be a willing, obedient servant to my father. And then I'm going to tell you, because you don't know, you realize it. I'm sending the third part of our crew, the Trinity. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to then help you navigate this journey of life. This, what is, this, is, what, this is what Jesus does. This is the power of a name. This is what we rest in. We rest in the beauty of the name of Jesus, who was the stone that was rejected. He was the builder, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation through no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So what does God do? God gives us more than what we can ask for. In closing, I just want to share this. You know, in our lives often, there are three areas of major importance to us that we're looking for. No matter where you are, what belief system you come from, I really believe that you're looking for significance, status, and security. Significance, this idea of I have value, I'm of worth. Status is this, I, I've got some, some of, of people who recognize me. It's, like not, it's not that I'm just here, but I'm important. And the security is this idea that I'm safe. I've got enough money I have. I'm, you know, I'm secure. I don't have to worry about the, the troubles of life. And what you'll find is if you walk down this path any period of time, at some point you're going to recognize it's not enough. I remember personally in my own life seeking for peace. Lord, I want peace. I want peace. Some, some, sometimes I used other sources to get that peace that were useful. And what I found was this, is that when I came looking for peace of mind, God gave me something greater. He gave me salvation and peace in him. Because even when I don't feel peace and when I'm having hardships, I know I have this anchor to come back to. And so for those of us who are looking for status, God says, I've got something better for you. Christ says, I offer something greater. I give you purpose. I give you value and purpose saying, listen, I want you to know I created you intentionally. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. There is no one else like you. So don't try and be anybody else. Be who I made you. For those who are looking for significance, God says, listen, 
I don't only want to give you significance. I want to give you an everlasting love that will give you what you need. Because when everyone else does not like you, no one else is supporting you, no one else is showing you value and appreciation, you will be able to rest in the comforting arms of me and be able to say, I know that I have value and love for my Savior that keeps me whole. When you're looking for security, God says, listen, I have eternal security for your soul. And what does that do? That secures you in the aspect of this. When we wake up in the morning and we go forth in our day, we never know what is going to come our way. We have no idea. My cousin, who I love dearly, woke up, went to work for his first day at his job. He was just becoming athletic director for his high school where his sons went. At 40 years old, signing his paper, dropped dead. We don't know what time is going to bring. But one thing I can rest assured is this is that when my cousin went away, as hard as it hurt, as painful as it was, it was secure. And that is the security that Christ brings. It means no matter what happens in the natural, I know there's a home for me. I know that my body will be restored. And what we find in this holistically is this idea that Christ is saying, I have everything you want and need. And in my name, in my name alone, I can heal your soul. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the miraculous work on the cross and this great salvation we have. I pray, Lord God, that this will serve as a reminder to all of us here. that Salvation is nothing to be taken for granted. It's actually something that should cause us to stand in awe. Think about the, where he pulled us out in order to know. Not because we deserved it. I pray, Lord God, that as we see this text, that we would begin to walk with you in a more intentionality and faithfulness and intimacy, knowing that through you, miraculous things can take place. That through you, lives can be saved. That through you, you know what? People can still be healed in the future. But we do this all at your leading. We do this as we rest in your Holy Spirit. We don't do this out of our our feelings, out of our emotions, out of our pride, but we do it out of the leading of your spirit. And when you lead us, we cannot fail. Your word will always remain true. Your word will remain faithful. And I pray right now, Lord God, that we will be leaping and jumping for joy in the streets and city of Chicago, in our church, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, so that people can look at us and say, okay, what's going on here? And we can say, it's because of the name of Jesus that we rejoice. And guess what? Silver and gold I do not have to give you but what I do have, I give in his name is Jesus. Lord, we thank you and we trust you for all these things, believing in your mighty hand and your mighty work. In Jesus' name we pray.